0: Oh, no. So this is my true rival, someone who canonically killed pigeons <laughs> in the park. in Denmark, what is good? It is a delight to be here. Thank you all so much for coming out. It has been wonderful to be here. This is my first time ever in Denmark, first time ever in your city here in Copenhagen. It's been lovely. I've seen interesting architecture. I've eaten strange things. Did I get food poisoning yesterday from marinated herring? I don't know, jury might be out, (laughs) but I feel alive enough to do the show. Here we go. <laughs> oh, man. So, today is going to be very fun because we're doing a very special episode in that it is live and it's a very special episode in that we are covering an interesting set of books or we're kicking off the Demigod Files, which I was very excited to read. I've heard lots of good things about. I know that there's lots of people, even who are big Percy Jackson fans, that were like, what the heck are these things? <laughs> I've heard from people reading it that, you know, they just reference things and people didn't know they existed. So I'm glad that we can all kind of share this experience together. One of those people who didn't know they were a thing and then got back afterwards is actually our guest for tonight. So please make some noise and welcome to the stage, Kelly Schumer. Hello. How's it going? Good. Have you enjoyed your time in Copenhagen? I
1: have, I was really excited about coming here. As Mike said, we've never been here before. And so I was very excited. I planned lots of things. Most of those architecture things that he saw uh, were not by accident, I <laughs> brought us there on purpose. So yes, we've had a lovely, lovely time.
0: Yeah, it's been fun just yeah. exploring around the city, going to a bunch of different parks, mm-hmm. eating a bunch of stuff, yep. having snacks. It's, uh, yep.
1: it's been a good time. It's been wonderful. I did not have the herring, yep. so I feel great. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. smart decision on I your part I took one
1: bite and I said I don't really like it and he's like I'll have it all and I was like excellent <laughs> so
0: I was just trying to take in your culture <laughs>
1: and
0: instead I had cultures inside my stomach <laughs> So we are going to cover the first story in the Demigod Files, as well as the introduction thing that we have going on. Mm -hmm. Now, you didn't know the Demigod Files were a thing. You read book five, and then you had some confusion about what was going on with some stories that were referenced, right?
1: Yeah. Somewhere in, I won't say where, Mm -hmm. somewhere in book five, slash a sequel series, slash other universe, somewhere in something I've read since then, (laughs) there are some things that happened that I was just like, oh, I guess I was reading so fast, I just missed this entire thing uh, that we're now referencing, I, it's my fault, my bad. And then I started reading these and I was like, oh, this is where it's introduced. In one of these stories, one thing, person, place, or something is introduced that comes in later <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: Thank you in the biggest way. But no, I just, I just enjoy, and it'll be fun when I've realized what the reference yeah. is, so we can talk about it. But I just yeah. like the idea of you thinking that there was a part of the story that you were like, ah, we're just all supposed to understand that this yeah. thing took place place, but us all together collectively just didn't read it together. It's just, oh, this happened in the past.
1: It's not minor either. It's not like just passes you by. Ah. Um, So I was really excited to figure out that I wasn't just... I don't know. Having a really bad memory, or I thought I had a horrible memory to forget (laughs) this entire thing. Well, yeah,
0: we'll get into the Demigod Files now. Mm -hmm. Maybe this first story that we're covering in tonight's show is the big thing. We'll have to see. Who's to say? (laughs) Who is to say? (laughs) Not me. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) So we'll start with the introduction, and the introduction is very interesting because it's got your classic sort of Percy Jackson situation where the intro is just like, "Hey, don't read this book." Classic. I will never tire of. It's always good, it's always funny, I will always enjoy it. It Mm -hmm. opens with, quote, Dear young demigod, if you're reading this book, I can only apologize. What a solid opening line, so strong, so strong. Mm -hmm. This apology is because the reader's life is about to get more dangerous. This narrator, and I'm calling it this narrator because we will learn at the end of this introduction that it is not Percy and it's a wild plot twist that I did not see coming. This narrator says that they are going to have a harder life, and they guess that this reader probably knows that they're not immortal and explains that this book is an inside look at the world of demigods. Mm -hmm. The narrator is the senior scribe at Camp Half-Blood, and this narrator hopes that the book can help keep the reader alive throughout their training, The book contains three of Percy's most dangerous adventures, encountering Ares' sons, the truth of the bronze dragon, and how Hades gained a new secret weapon and how Percy was involved against his will. (laughs) If I had to guess, that one sounds like the most important. (laughs) But I have not read it yet, so I don't know. But just based on context clues, that one seems pretty significant. But we'll just have to see. Now, Chiron gave the scribe clearance additionally to share interviews with some of the more famous campers at Camp Half-Blood, including Percy, Annabeth, and Grover. I was excited to learn that it's more than just those three, and Mm -hmm. if we have time tonight, we'll get into some of those. These interviews though are confidential and the narrator threatens to send Clarice after the reader if they share details with non-demigods. Good thing everyone here in attendance and everyone listening is a demigod so I don't get beat up by Clarice LaRue.
1: Yeah, I guess at this point we're supposed to know who Clarice is as the reader. So I guess I'm imagining you've just shown up at Camp Half-Blood and they're like, oh, here's some really scary stories for you to read. And also Clarice is that person over there. That's how I imagine it (laughs) is.
0: I am always intrigued and fascinated by folks who read these books, YA books, out of order, whether it was just like, oh, Mm -hmm. my grandma got me the third Harry Potter book, or I started with the second Hunger Games book, I didn't know, blah, blah, blah. I would love to meet someone who's like, yeah, the first one I read was The Demigod Files. (laughs) (laughs) There's got to be at least one person. So if you're listening, shoot me an email. I want (laughs) to ask you lots of questions about what the heck you thought was going on.
1: It's certainly the shortest and maybe the most accessible book Right. if somebody did start with that one, I guess.
0: Now, there are other fun added bonuses in the Demigod files. There is artwork. There are portraits of characters. There's a replica of Annabeth's trunk, and there's a map of Camp Half-Blood. And then the narrator signs off as, and the way that it was displayed on my e-reader, it said signing off as, and then I had to touch the next page. And then the only thing written on the next page was Rick Riordan! <laughs> <laughs> So canonically,
2: yeah,
0: he's also a character he's in the written story now. He has, has the truly power. written himself in. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see and I won't be able to look at this until well after the fact, but mm-hmm. I always appreciate the fandom wikis for different fandoms and book series or TV shows or whatever. I would love if there's two separate pages on Percy Jackson wiki for Rick Riordan senior scribe of Camp <laughs> Half-Blood/character <laughs> in the series and then also Rick Riordan dude who wrote everything. <laughs> So that is the end of the introduction and we get into the first story, which is Percy Jackson and the stolen chariot. Of course, I'm going to try to guess what happens here. Mm -hmm. And because this is a whole story and not just a chapter, the guess was tough and my guess was wrong. But here was my guess and I still feel good about it and I would still read the story. Tyson unknowingly takes a chariot belonging to Ares' sons Mm. and then he and Percy have to beat them in some sort of a contest to save themselves from punishment.
1: That's not a horrible guess. No,
0: I did have some help in that the introduction yeah. in combination with the title let us know that there was a chariot and that there were Ares' sons involved. Mm-hmm. I just figured that this would be a Tyson story. Turns out it's a Clarice story. And I'm very excited about that because I had been wanting for some sort of Percy and Clarice crossover event. And now we're getting it. Yeah. And I'm very excited to see if this could kickstart their friendship in book five. But I'll just have to see. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's always exciting to get more insight to Clarice. I like her as a character. And her character growth, I think, is really Mm -hmm. an interesting one to
0: see. 100%. So the story begins, Percy is the narrator. I was very thankful. I was wondering, (laughs) is this whole thing going to be weird, third person, Rick talking the whole time, but we're back to our normal situation Mm -hmm. of Percy narrating, which makes me feel nice and good and comfortable and safe. (laughs) Percy is in science class when he hears noises outside that sound like someone is being attacked by possessed poultry. He says he's been in that situation before, and it took me a second. I was trying to think, when did Percy get attacked by evil chickens? Oh, the stymphalian yeah. birds, and yeah. then I remembered.
1: <laughs> Had an interesting moment today. I was walking out on the, like, it's kind of near here. Don't know how to say the name I of I was going to
0: say, what's the traditional <laughs> Danish name, Kelly? Uh,
1: <laughs> don't know how to say the name. It was like a like a sandbar park with some it's possible it's near here. Uh, And there's just a bunch of walking paths and people walking around. It was really, really cool. Walked around there for a bit and saw some children getting attacked by seagulls. Uh, And I thought about this. There
0: have been some intense seagulls. I've been doing pigeon watches. I've made my way throughout Europe. And I feel like the pigeons here, as opposed to the other cities I've been. So far, Copenhagen, healthiest looking pigeons. Healthiest looking pigeons, yes. Most evil seagulls. The seagulls here. Yeah. They are loud. They are vicious. They are big. Yeah,
1: they were like Ugh. they were like screaming at the children and like hovering over their heads, and the children were just screaming back at them. <laughs> it was hilarious. And fun
0: fact, they sounded the same. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> ah! Ah! <laughs> So no one else in Percy's class notices. Percy acts like he needs to wash out a beaker so that he can look out the window. I love this move. I love doing this sort of thing. I've done this awkwardly at parties when I don't know anyone at the party. It's like, oh, I definitely need to refill my glass. You know, <laughs> I, I love this sort of maneuver. I'm
1: so hydrated when I go to, to oh. parties where I know nobody. Oh yeah, so hydrated. So
0: hydrated, especially Just me in college. I waited till I was 21 to drink, as in America, we have to wait till 21 because. <laughs>
2: and.
0: It wasn't like I was afraid of explaining to people why I waited till I was 21 to drink, but it was more of just an annoying conversation to have. So I would always just take the classic red solo cup and just fill it with water. And if you put in ice cubes, people just think you have vodka or something and nobody (laughs) asks any questions. So yeah, I was well hydrated in college.
1: Yeah, no, same. I would always fill it with water just so that people would stop trying to hand me drinks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was just like, I have a drink. No worries. It's in a red cup, therefore. Uh Uh-huh acceptable. There was
0: one time my senior year where I had literally taken a Tylenol earlier in the day because I had a headache. And then someone offered me a drink and I was like, oh, I just had Tylenol. I can't drink. And they're like, oh, OK, no big deal. And I was like, oh, should have used this live for years. This was so easy. That took two sentences. So, when he looks out of the window, Percy sees a girl in the alley with a sword drawn. She is tall. She is toned like a basketball player. I love that basketball is always the sport that gets referenced. <laughs> it is never any other sport. It makes me so happy. She has brown hair, jeans, combat boots, and a denim jacket. I think this is a rad vibe and I wrote a rotomaynutes. This girl has big Clarice energy. <laughs> <laughs> which was pretty funny two sentences later. The birds are raven-sized. The feathers are lodged into this girl's clothes because the birds fire them at her like they're arrows and she even has a cut on one of her eyes. And now we learn it is Clarice. Clarice. So I was very excited. I said, oh well it is Clarice. Nice a Clarice story. Let's go. All caps. Percy isn't sure why she's here, but he is sure that she's in trouble and she needs his help. Otherwise she is a goner. Mm-hmm. So he asks his teacher, Mrs. White, if he can use the restroom because he feels like he might puke. And narrator Percy explains that the magic word is not actually please. It's a different word with a P. It is actually puke, <laughs> which I think makes sense. Yep. If I was a teacher, I would not want to have to deal with cleaning up some sort of vomit, so yep. that's for sure. And I did think it was very funny when I was writing my notes in the notes app here and I wrote puke, it auto-corrected puke to Luke. And I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Checks out, checks out. <laughs> And Mrs. White tells Percy just to go. He runs down the hall, removes his lab clothes, and wields Riptide. He arrives in the alleyway just as Clarice smacks a bird with the flat of her sword like she's hitting a home run. And there's still a dozen more around her. It's always a dozen. There's always a dozen monsters. It's either a dozen or half a dozen. I'm waiting for a baker's dozen to show up.
2: But there's always 12.
0: Percy calls her name, she's surprised to see him, and he explains, why should you be surprised? This is my school. She mutters, just my luck, and then keeps (laughs) fighting. He joins in on the fight, and I think this is a really good job by Rick. He makes this story accessible to non-series readers. He explains how Riptide turns from a pen into a sword. He explains who Clarice is. And mm-hmm. he's done this in the books, but it's done in a very non-cumbersome way where yeah. if you are the one person who read the Demigod files <laughs> first, you could just think these are fun stories about your new friends that you've just mm-hmm. It takes some effort, but the two of them defeat all of the birds. Percy has a few scratches, so he takes out some ambrosia and he eats half of a piece. He offers the other half to Clarice, who says she doesn't need Percy's help, but then takes the ambrosia anyway. Classic. Which is taking his help. Yeah, yeah. And then Percy explains to the reader that overeating ambrosia causes you to burn to ashes. Then he goes on to say, quote, I guess that's why you don't see many fat gods, which just feels unnecessary like i get the joke and it's mm-hmm. fine but i just feel like you could word it differently i know it's me being nitpicky product of the times thing but like you can use a different turn of phrase here yeah it could have been
1: worded differently yeah
0: and i'm trying to have patience for these books but like this one was written in 2009 we should probably get out of fat joke territory mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. now so i feel like you could have just said something like oh that's why all the gods have small waistlines or something that mm-hmm. doesn't flip it you know like you can tell <laughs> the same joke but instead of making it anti-something make it pro-something yeah
1: else. that's true But he also snuck in there the definition of ambrosia for us. Real stealthy
0: like. Exactly
1: good writing next to some writing that needs some improvement
0: yes but now that they are healed Clarice starts to leave without explaining anything Percy (laughs) insists on knowing more by asking what's happening why she is in a camp and why the birds were attacking her and she tries to push him out of the way but he sidesteps her and says that this happening at his school makes it his business she disagrees he asks to please let me help you and she takes a shaky breath Percy believes that she wants to punch him, but he also notices a desperate look in her eyes as if she's in trouble, but she doesn't want to ask for help. Mm-hmm. She says that the problem is her brothers. They're playing a big prank on her. And Percy's not surprised because there are a whole bunch of campers in the Ares cabin. So she must have a great number of siblings and they often mess with each other. He asks if it's Sherman and Mark. We've not met these people before, right? I
1: don't think so. Okay. I think those are new characters that we just learned about.
0: That's what I'm thinking. I don't yeah. know if they will come in later, but I was like Sherman and Mark. <laughs> Who?
1: However, as I've already stated, I'm willing to just accept that I've forgotten information. <laughs> yeah,
0: our old pals, Sherman and Mark. <laughs> I like like them. Sherman and Mark.
1: Probably know who that is. Always <laughs>
0: playing pranks yeah. on Clarice. She sounds worried when she says that it is not them, but her immortal brothers, Phobos and Deimos. I obviously have to ask Dr. Moy about this mm-hmm. in an upcoming Dr. Moya mythology episode, which I guess I'll do before book five, depending on tour timing and all that kind of stuff. But there's going to be a whole lot of stuff for me to ask. Mm -hmm. They sit on a park bench and Clarice explains what's up. And, I wrote in my notes, is Percy's teacher not terrified? (laughs) Because he's been gone for a long time. Literally the next line, Percy says, quote, I wasn't too worried about getting back to school. Mrs. White would just assume the nurse had sent me home and sixth period was shop class. Mr. Bill never took attendance. So (laughs) this has worked out quite well for Percy Jackson. Yeah, I suppose so. Just assume that he went home, sure. Yeah, the nurse sent him home, sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's not something that the school nurse would tell me.
1: (laughs) Maybe the mist will cover over this. Maybe that's the kind of thing the mist will cover over. Mm -hmm. But
0: yeah, I buy it. I wonder if Percy has to send in a request. Like maybe he does a quick I am Iris message. (laughs) Hey, can you get me out of class real quick? I need a I need a lie, please. (laughs) So we learn the story via this question to Clarice from Percy. Quote, so let me get this straight. You took your dad's car for a joyride and now it's missing. Clarice explains that it's a chariot, it's not a car, and that it wasn't a joyride because he told her to take it out as a test. She's supposed to return it by sunset, but her brothers stole the chariot from her. They are the regular charioteers, and they hate it when anyone else gets to drive. Thus, they stole the chariot and attacked her with these birds that Ares uses to guard his temple.
1: So the test isn't, whether or not she can drive the chariot, it's whether or not she can fight off the brothers, right? Like, Ares knew this was going to happen.
0: Maybe. I was confused by the test thing as well. Maybe it was just a test of drive the chariot. You haven't driven it before. Give it a test drive. Get comfortable with it. I feel like it's a little bit more like he
1: knows that she's going to take it out driving. Mm -hmm. He knows that they're going to try and steal it, and it's a test of can you get it back, which is a little... Sneaky, malicious.
0: Kind of a jerk move from Ares, kind of a little jerk. Yeah, Yeah, I get it. It makes sense. (laughs) not necessarily the nicest guy in the
1: series.
0: (laughs) She begins to discuss what will happen to her if she doesn't return it, but Percy can see that she's worried and he can guess that Ares is probably going to be pretty harsh. So he simply agrees to help her before she can launch into the whole description. When Clarice asks why Percy would do that since she isn't his friend, Percy thinks about how even though she's been rude to him countless times, he doesn't like the idea of Ares bullying anyone. And speaking of bullying, before Percy can say anything, some teenager makes fun of Clarice for looking like she's been crying. And before we learn who this person was, I just wrote, this is the worst person in the franchise thus far. (laughs) Just some random person walking by, seeing someone sad going, "Ah, you're crying? That's what I thought was happening, but we learn that it's Phobos. So, not that much
1: better. Also still one of the worst characters in the franchise, yeah. Yeah,
0: he sucks, but I at least he has some sort of tie, it's not just some random dude that was walking by a park, saw someone sat on a bench and went, <laughs> so it's Phobos. He is dressed just like Ares would be, very much leather, combat boot, jeans, all that sort of stuff. Clarice asks where he put the chariot. Phobos says that she lost it, so he doesn't know it's not his problem. Clarice charges at him and swings her sword, but he disappears before she can make connection with him. He appears on the bench next to Percy. He begins to laugh, but then he stops when Percy holds Riptide to his neck and says, you'd better return that chariot before I get mad. I said, okay, Bruce Banner. (laughs) Phobos then sneers, tries to look tough, and asks Clarice who her new boyfriend is that's fighting her battles for her. And she protests that Percy isn't her boyfriend and Chris Rodriguez fist pumps in the distance. (laughs) 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 She says that Percy is not even her friend, and then says his name is Percy Jackson. Phobos immediately asks to check that she means the same Percy Jackson, who is the son of Poseidon and the enemy of Ares. And he says, quote, the one who made dad angry, which is a very generous read of the one who kicked dad's butt.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only one who's really stood up to him and battled him at any point in time. You right. know, Made him angry. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, you're not wrong, but you're certainly telling the half truth for sure. Yeah. Phobos thinks that this is great. He thinks that this is just such a funny predicament for her to be in. He thinks it's so hilarious that she's hanging out with him in terms of, you know, it's so great that it's so terrible Mm -hmm. for her. She insists that she's not. Phobos's eyes then glow red and Clarice begins to swipe at the air as if she's being pestered by invisible bugs. Percy asks what he's doing to her and after she backs into the street while swatting, Percy demands that Phobos stop and he digs his sword deeper into his neck, which that's a pretty convincing argument if you have a sword in the neck. But unfortunately, Phobos poofs away, which is, you know, a pretty good maneuver if you're on the receiving end of a sword in the neck, (laughs) the ability just to teleport. He then explains that he is just showing her what she fears. His eyes then begin to fade and Clarice collapses and calls him a creep and says that she will get him. I wonder what Clarice's fear is. Was it the same birds? Was it something else? We don't really learn what she's afraid of, what she was swatting.
1: Percy described it as if swatting bugs, but I guess Mm. I hadn't thought it could be like the birds that she was just, it could be like more of an immediate fear. Right. I'm fearful of this thing that literally just happened rather than like mm-hmm. her deepest, darkest fear of bugs. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I also would love if it was something completely innocuous that we learned later. She's terrified of butterflies. butterflies. Yes!
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Phobos approaches Percy and asks what he in italics fears, saying that he'll always find out Percy demands he return the chariot and says that he's not afraid of him since he took down Ares before, but as the narrator Percy lets us know, he's a little bit scared. (laughs)
2: Phobos
0: (laughs) laughs and brings up the phrase, nothing to fear but fear itself, because he is fear, and I said, oh, right, Phobos, phobia, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yep. He tells Percy that if he wants the chariot, he can go get it. It's across the water where the little animals live, a place he says that Percy belongs. He snaps and then disappears in a yellow vapor cloud. Mm-hmm. Narrator Percy says that Phobos is his least favorite adversary that he's ever met. Percy hates bullies, and the way that Phobos laughed at Percy and how he made Clarice collapse made Percy want to teach him a lesson. I'm very excited. I like that Percy hates bullies so much that he will muster up the wherewithal to take this guy down, even for someone that has been pretty mean to him throughout the whole series.
1: I mean, he was already on board from the second that he saw Clarice, but I think he feels a little bit of a a vendetta against Phobos now
0: himself. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Percy helps Clarice up and asks if she will now accept his assistance. And I like that Percy is persistent on assisting Clarice. They take the subway, anticipating more attacks, but none come. On the journey, Clarice tells Percy about her brothers. They are minor gods. Phobos is fear, and Deimos is terror. And I wrote in my notes, What's the difference? And then Percy asks, What's the difference? <laughs> uh, uh,
1: uh, uh, uh.
0: <laughs> I wrote, I guess Demos is worse. And basically what Clarice describes is that he is bigger and uglier and he scares entire crowds, whereas Phobos is more specific and gets in your head and it's more of a person to person thing. Yeah, that makes that sense. Totally makes yeah. sense. Percy brings up phobia and she confirms and says that he loves having fears named after him. <laughs> and this is just a really fun thing for Rick to write in. It's yeah. just really solid writing by him. He is so good at making hateable characters hateable. And it's just these little quirks where, oh, yeah, this is the etymology of the word, but let's turn this into this bragging rights thing that this guy we don't (laughs) like likes to, you know, get a big ego about. I think it's really funny.
1: No, I agree. I think it's hilarious. I love when he pulls in any little bit of either etymology or like mythology or anything that he can pull in. So I think it's great.
0: It's really nice. Percy asks why they don't want her driving the chariot. And she explains that it's normally a ritual for Aries kids when they turn 15. She explains that she is the first daughter to get the chance in a while. Percy congratulates her. And then she says that she has to get it back to the temple, which is on Pier 86, the Intrepid. Have you ever been to the Intrepid in New York?
1: No, I have not been on it. It's a museum. It's like a whole Mm -hmm. thing that you can go on. It's like an aircraft carrier. Yeah, that's just
0: permanently parked. And then they Mm -hmm. have all sorts of things like old big, you know, guns and cannon balls. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been to I've it. never, I never know.
1: been But I'm assuming there's a whole bunch of, like, it's an aircraft, a war aircraft carrier. So I'm assuming the museum has to do with different kinds of aircraft and right. things like that. Chariot fits in well. I've definitely gone past it because it's right up on the west side of Manhattan Mm -hmm. by the river path. So I've definitely gone past it, but I've never gone in it.
0: It's certainly different from the, I don't know what the official name is, but the Copenhagen guard that you guys have.
1: Oh yeah. That are all dressed
0: up in their uniforms and then were really intense. And (laughs) they got ready to play their music and they were all like, oh, oh, and then they go (laughs) and play flutes all through the town.
1: It was wonderful. They were
0: all so intense and so serious.
1: There were like 15 clarinets in that band. It was a Amazing! I loved they it. Looked <laughs>
0: so serious. And then they played the jauntiest little tune.
1: And we left before they were done, but they followed us down the street that yeah, we were going. Yeah, they kept going. going yeah. They're making the rounds. <laughs> we're like in the next building. We were in the church right down the street and we were like, is that them outside? Yeah, it was like are yeah, like <laughs> like, oh, still <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: was so funny. It was awesome. So a little bit different aircraft carrier yeah, situation. Yeah. This certainly fits Aries's vibe because it would have weapons about. Percy believes that they have about four hours before sunset, which should give them enough time. Percy wonders what Phobos meant by across the water though, since they are on an island and that could be literally anything. But then he recalls that Phobos mentioned animals. So my thought was, oh, animals, a zoo, that would make sense. And Percy's on the same line of thinking. He's thinking it's a zoo, Mm -hmm. he would guess the Brooklyn Zoo, but then he remembers that Phobos said where the little animals live. So he's thinking it might actually be a smaller zoo, and there's a smaller zoo in Staten Island.
1: I've never been to any of the zoos in New York. I didn't even know they had one in Staten Island.
0: (laughs) I've only been to the Central Park Zoo. I've never been to Staten Island ever, thank God. I don't know how to describe Staten Island in terms of
2: yeah, I don't know Denmark, <laughs> but
0: if there's a part of town that you never want to go to ever for any reason whatsoever, that would be Staten Island.
1: Someone just said Sweden. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Apologies, I know some, did some people come from Sweden to the show. Yeah, dedication. Incre- oh, you were from Sweden, amazing, okay. Love it, love it. <laughs> I gotta say, I know I know. Finland was very happy when I did shows in Finland and not Sweden. And I don't know if <laughs> Denmark feels the same way, but I literally just, when I was picking the tours, I went by cities and countries with the most downloads, sorted it from most to least. Copenhagen was in the top 10. Nothing in Sweden was in the top 10. <laughs> This show sold out in like 4 days. <laughs> and I couldn't add an extra show or another theater anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, I was not expecting. I was like, "Oh, a 90-seat place, that should be pretty good. Copenhagen's not the biggest town. It's 4 days? Like, yeah. <laughs> you're out of tickets for both shows." "Oh, wow. Okay, I'll have to come back." So, yeah. Sweden, sorry. Maybe listen to the show more and tell your friends about it and then I'll come. I'll come next year up tour, but anyway. So, yeah. Imagine Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> But when they said Staten Island, I wrote in my notes, okay, goodbye, Clarice, good luck, see you later. <laughs> so they hop off the train at Times Square with a dream in their cardigans, and they take <laughs> the one to the ferry terminal. Now, of course, me being a New York nerd, I and Stephen Para, yeah. <laughs> we were trying to figure out what train did they take from the Upper East Side down to... Times Square. The only thing that they could have taken was the Q train, which is a good line. But Rick sounds absolutely nothing like a New Yorker. What's up?
1: Oh, okay, yeah, no, the Upper East Side. Yeah, they mm-hmm, could take yeah. Q. Okay, all right. I wasn't part of this conversation before because I was like, you guys are being ridiculous, and they just said it, and I was like, wait, did they
0: take the Q? I don't know. <laughs> See, it's just fun. Now, Rick sounds nothing like a New Yorker when he describes this, though. Hopping off is not something I really say. I usually just say, take the subway, took the train, that kind of thing. But the real tell is when he calls the one, the number one, (laughs) which I don't know if M2 has a full name, but if someone was like, oh, we took the Metropolitan (laughs) 2. (laughs) It's like that equivalent, so it's just really weird. No one calls it the number one. Like, what would you call it, the letter A train? Like, if it was taken to A-C-E, super strange. They get on the Staten Island Ferry at 3.30, and it is littered with tourists who are after the free sight of the Statue of Liberty. That is actually a very common thing that'll happen in New York. There is a ferry that goes from Manhattan to Staten Island for free because no one wants to go to Staten Island. Mm -hmm, (laughs) So they have to make it free for you to go over there. But a thing that people will do is you just take the ferry over and then take the next ferry back because you pass by the Statue of Liberty and you can get some really good pictures. I've done that before. So that's the closest I've ever been to Staten Island, but I didn't leave the boat. So I've never stepped foot on Staten Island.
1: (laughs) Are you sure? I thought we had to get off the boat and get back in line. And get back on.
0: Yeah, but it's one of those things that goes out into the jetty. It's over the I water. I think I'm in maritime war, or whatever it is, like when you're in neutral waters.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure I was there and I'm pretty sure we got off. We didn't go anywhere. We got right back in line and about 10 seconds later we were on. But yeah, I guess we were on a pier. Right, right. So we were floating over international waters or something.
0: <laughs> Percy tells Clarice the statue's artist, the artist of the Statue of Liberty, Bartholdi, was a son of Athena and modeled the statue after her. And I wrote, okay, this has to be something that Annabeth told him. And uh, narrator Percy says, that's what Annabeth told me anyway. (laughs) Clarice rolls her eyes and calls this information useless because it doesn't help you fight. And Clarice, you gotta know more things than just fighting things. This is the thing that's happening in sports right now. In basketball, there's a lot of players that are having a lot of injuries because they just grow up only playing basketball their whole life. Like they play travel basketball and stuff and that's all they play. So their knees are just getting shot because they're just doing the same sort of muscles over and over again. Whereas if you were well-rounded and you played a couple of different sports and stuff like that, so you would develop like different stabilizers and things. So it's actually something that makes sense physically, but Clarice, come on, you need to know some more intelligence besides fighting things. Yeah,
1: learn some architecture, Clarice. (laughs) Yeah.
0: They got the big architecture museum here. I'm sure everybody is a big expert on architecture and slash or slides.
1: Yeah, there was a slide in the architecture I like that it's like the
0: Donsk architecture center and also a four story slide. (laughs)
1: You know,
0: the famous one, two combo. (laughs) So Percy considers protesting, but the ferry jerks like it hits something. Percy and Clarice rush to the front of the boat, and they see water bubbling, and the head of a sea serpent then emerges. The monster itself that arises is as big as the ferry. Now, you all might be thinking that this is some magical beast, but it could just be something in Staten Island. It doesn't necessarily. It <laughs> Staten Island listeners are going to send me some angry emails.
1: Does anybody live there? I don't know. Is nah, it just know. It's
0: okay. Look, if you're listening from Staten, I love you. It's just the general populace. It's not you. It's the rest of the the people <laughs> now, this monster is gray and green with a crocodile like head and it smells disgusting. Atop its neck is a beefy dude in black Greek armor. This obviously has to be Deimos, and then we learn shortly after that it is. Mm-hmm. His face is full of scars and he is wielding a spear. He grins an evil grin that matches the grin that the serpent has and he asks, Care to play? <laughs> which is a very menacing way for him to make an introduction. The monster howls, tourists scatter, and Percy wonders what the mist had them see, which is something I'm always wondering. I think that could be a really fun spinoff book if Uncle Rick just takes every single instance that a big scary thing happened Mm -hmm. and then just wrote, yeah, the St. Louis Arch, here's what they saw. Yeah, Yeah, Alcatraz, here's what they saw. I think that would be a really fun little additional story. And maybe that'll come through in the TV show. Maybe we'll see Mm. the differences between what Percy sees and what the people see. And I just think it's so fun. I'm so fascinated by it.
1: I know. I just, I, I have like in my own head, what could it potentially be that they're seeing
0: my guess in this case would just be really, really choppy water because I've been on some ferries with big waves and heavy winds. I would guess it's just you know big waves crashing in, not necessarily some sort of I don't know what large aquatic life would yeah. be in the water surrounding New York. Like there's no whales, yeah. <laughs> so they, I don't and, know what, and
1: I don't think people would be that. afraid of that. They'd be excited to see that. Oh,
0: people would be hyped. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the tourists would be falling over themselves to yeah. take. Right? <laughs> Percy demands that Deimos leave them alone. Deimos says, or what, in italics, son of the sea god? He says that Phobos told him Percy's a wimp, states that he <laughs> loves terror, and he lives on terror, and then he has the serpent bash into the ferry. Percy instructs Clarice to grab his neck because they're going for a ride. She doesn't question it. They jump off together, they splash into the water, and soon after, Percy commands a 30-foot-tall waterspout to propel them towards the serpent, which is very cool.
1: Sounds like a ton of fun, too. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like some, some kind of water ride. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, for
0: sure. If they eventually get into Percy Jackson theme park territory in any of the yeah. Disney parks, that could be a very fun if they added something in the water park. If they mm-hmm. add a Percy Jackson ride, could be super sweet. Very fun. Percy asks Clarice if she can tackle Deimos. She says that she can as long as Percy gets her within 10 feet. So he makes it happen. She leaps off, grabs Deimos midair, and they both fall off the serpent into the water. The monster goes after Percy. He uses his power to raise the water even higher and then have it crash down on top of the serpent. Percy jumps over his head, uncaps Riptide, and slashes his neck. So cool. So cool.
1: I love the descriptions of the battles and the fights in in these books because they're like vivid enough, but not so long that you lose attention.
0: Mm -hmm. It's great. Mm -hmm. I also feel like, and I'm sure they're doing a great job and they're very accomplished. Whoever the screenwriting team is for the TV show probably has the easiest job imaginable because Rick (laughs) truly writes these as if they are a screenplay and it's just kind Mm -hmm. of like, all right, sweet, copy paste, done, nailed it. Yeah, like, (laughs)
1: like as a difference the Helm's Deep Battle and The Lord of the Rings was the longest on-screen battle for a while. It was recently dethroned, but it was- The d- l-
0: game of Thrones. D- yeah, yeah <laughs> That's it, it was,
1: but it was the longest on-screen battle. And so when I got to that chapter, when I was reading the book, I was like, oh, this must be a very vivid chapter for it to be stretched for so much screen time. It was like two pages or something, and then it was wow. over, and I was like- Oh, so they had to do a lot of work coming up with what happened in that battle. And they did. I mean, it's a very intriguing visual battle, but yeah. it was like two pages and then it was done.
0: So it wasn't in the book that Legolas no. takes a shield and skateboards no. down the stairs? Yeah. No. Rats. <laughs> Shout out to Peter Jackson for adding that in.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? That's the name? Peter yeah. Jackson? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I was so. like, that's not Peter Johnson, is what they call Percy. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> Or as we learned in a recent chapter, what was the uh, Perry Johansson, that was it. (laughs) Shout out to the Swedish folks in the (laughs) crowd. The monster swims away back into the open ocean. Clarice surfaces near Percy in the water. He asks if she got Deimos and she explains that he poofed away as they were wrestling. She believes that they will run into the brothers soon enough. The tourists are still in panic, but none of them appear to be hurt. The boat also appears to be undamaged, so that is good. Percy decides that it's best they leave and he grabs Clarice's arm and channels the waves to bring them to Staten as sunset is approaching. Mm -hmm. Percy, as the narrator, says, quote, I'd never spent much time on Staten Island, and I wrote, smart. (laughs) And I found it was a lot bigger than I thought and not much fun to walk. The streets (laughs) curved around confusingly and everything seemed to be uphill. (laughs) And I've never been, but I'm very intrigued. There is one thing in Staten Island that is very cool that I want to visit. There's that grandma restaurant. There's a restaurant where they just have a cycling cast of people's grandmas Mm be the chef. And then someone else's grandma will just cook like a classic meal for you.
1: They just cook whatever they want to Mm -hmm. cook and they cycle out which country they're from. Mm -hmm. And they just have apparently really good food. And like, I think that every weekend is a different... Kind of cuisine, but the like the normal like weekday menu is like an Italian grandma who opened the thing and then they bring in somebody. And and I do want to try that
0: at some point. We'll have to go and then we'll have to see if everything does feel like it's uphill.
1: It's supposed to be close to the ferry stop. So we won't have to go far. far. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Now they get to a bus, but the bus driver doesn't let them on because Clarice is sopping wet. And I guess that makes sense. If I was a bus driver, I wouldn't want someone funking up the bus. Percy obviously is dry because of his water abilities. Clarice thinks that they're screwed, but Percy, despite having some doubts, tries to stay positive. And this is something that I do. Even when things seem bad, I'm always trying to look for silver linings and stuff. You know that.
1: Yeah, you're a positive boy. (laughs) I do my best.
0: His doubts are that two demigods versus two minor gods doesn't seem like a fair fight. He's also worried that Phobos will have learned Percy's fear by the time they meet again, and that would make him more adversarial. After a good chunk of walking, they arrive at the zoo, and the ticket booth lady is a bit suspicious, but money talks, and Percy has (laughs) enough cash for tickets, so they get in. They walk around, and Clarice spots the chariot between the petting zoo and the sea otter pond, which is a wonderful little location (laughs) to be in. It is a golden chariot. It has red accents. It is adorned with designs of death, and there are four fire-breathing black horses tied to it. Percy figures that the mist is doing a number on it because the only disguise that it has is a handwritten sign that says official zoo vehicle. So good. So (laughs) funny. Clarice wonders where her brothers are. Percy also doesn't see them, but he bets that this is some sort of trap. He tries to talk to the horses with his powers, but all he gets is some name calling that is too explicit for him to share as the narrator, which I think is a great (laughs) bit. Clarice's plan is to try and get the reins, since the horses know her. She asks Percy to cover her. He says, right, and then immediately the narrator wonders, how am I supposed to cover her if all I have is a sword? <laughs> <laughs> Which is also a vibe. I would totally be like, yeah, I got it, and then think, what do I do? <laughs> As she is creeping around, Percy sees a three-year-old girl go, pony on fire! <laughs> and her mom replies, don't be silly, Jesse. That's an official zoo <laughs> Literally (laughs) laughed out loud. That is so funny. I will never tire of the bit of kids seeing stuff and their parents going, oh, come on. That's perfectly (laughs) normal. So hilarious. And on this great joke, we will end the first act of the show and we'll get ready for intermission. There will be more to come, whether you're listening to the podcast or you're here live. See you all (laughs) soon. Hello and welcome to the mid-roll break for this episode. This is the first mid-roll break of a Demigod Files episode, meaning that we have to change the name of the mid-roll break, and I have come up with a name that I think is quite good, and the name is, drumroll please, The Demipod Files. Get it? Because we are halfway-ish or partway through the podcast, Demigod, Demipod, (laughs) Ha 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 I'm hilarious. Thanks to everyone who sent in suggestions. Many people did send in lots of suggestions, but I thought of this one all by myself and I thought that it was good and I liked it. I'm sticking with it. Got to give a shout out though to listener Anna who messaged me on Instagram and suggested the demigod piles in parentheses of money. I thought that was a pretty solid one, but just to have demipod up there was just so perfect. I had to snatch it. Now let's get into those demipod files. First thing here on my desk, I like imagining that it's literal files that I'm reading to you during this middle break. First thing that I have here on my desk is to talk about something that will be happening soon before we get into book five, a little bit of structure, a little bit of ultra God to your Patreon stuff and how you can help shape the podcast. So scheduling-wise, here's how things are going to look for the next couple of weeks. We're going to finish up this story here. Next week, we will do the second Demigod Files story. On the 15th, we will do the first part of the third story in the Demigod Files, and then we'll finish it up on May 22nd. It's a very long story and a very beefy story, so wanted to make sure we gave that its proper due rather than try to cram it in. Then we are off on May 29th because May is a five-Monday month, so there will be no episode then, but on June 5th, we will be back, and that episode will be the first of at least two episodes about all the myths that came up in book four and in the Demigod Files. I also might do something where I talk about the remaining extra bits of the Demigod Files, the interviews and the illustrations and stuff like that. I'm going to fit that into one of these upcoming episodes, whichever one seems to be the shortest. I'm not exactly sure just yet. But the plan, starting in June, is to do, I think, two episodes about all of the myths that were in Book 4 and the Demigod Files. Normally, this is a Dr. Moya episode. I've reached out to Dr. Moya. She is a very, very busy May ahead of her, so we're having a new expert come in. It's a familiar voice you've heard on the podcast that gave lots of mythological information, so she is suited for the task, and it is read from overly sarcastic productions. So we're going to record those in the coming weeks. I'll see how many episodes that turns into. I think it's going to be, two, just because there are so many things. Things to cover. Now, here's where you can step in and help shape the podcast. Because one of the perks of joining the Patreon at the highest tier, the Ultra God tier, in addition to me thanking you at the end of every single episode by name, because you are a producer level patron if you join at that tier, one of the other many perks that you get is you are a member of the Olympic Court. And the Olympic Court helps me shape things in the podcast at different times. When I get out of the main books, the Olympic Court will help me determine what order to cover things like the movies and the musical and stuff like that. But another thing that the Olympic Court has helped me with consistently and will continue to do so as the show goes on is determining which myths get priority in these episodes. So right now, if you were an ultra god tier member, you could go to the Patreon right now and see a post where I have it open for commenting and voting to get a sense of what myths you most want to hear about. Then I rank all of the mentions and those get top billing. And then that way, if anything does get cut for time, we make sure that the things that the listeners want to hear get their description from our expert, this time read from OSP. So if that sounds enticing to you, head on over and join the Patreon at thenewsolympian.com Patreon. There's so many other fun perks. I just put up a new bonus episode. There are new bonus audio clips being put up, and director's commentary being put up, and there's video bonus episodes, and there's my notes, and there's a whole lot of fun stuff over there. Now, speaking of that Patreon, I want to thank the folks who have joined most recently. So shout out to our newest demigod tier patrons, Emily Walker and Beth Shaw. Thank you all so much for your support. May Poseidon bless you that when you have a water bottle or a glass full of water that you never spill it, you always manage your water quite well. Also, I know that there have been some audio issues going on with the podcast recently. I'm working with my hosting website to try and fix those, and I think I may have figured out a solution. It might have to do with the file size, so I'm trying to go back and reduce the sizes of... The uploaded episodes, and hopefully that can fix things. But if you're ever in a situation where you're listening to the episode and all of a sudden it cuts to either an earlier part or it skips ahead or the episode ends early, I'm really sorry. I don't know what's going on. I've emailed lots of people. They don't exactly know what's going on either. We're trying to sort it all out. Usually, if you download the episode rather than stream it, it works. Or if you try listening on a different app, I I really don't want to make things. Troublesome here. I'm really trying my best. We moved to a new hosting site so that I wouldn't have as many gambling ads and stuff coming through, and I think that that problem has been solved. But it's opened up this new problem. But basically, if you ever get a weird issue with an episode, please send me an email to at gmail.com. I'm trying to mark all the episodes that have had any sort of issue with them, and then I can try to get that sorted out. And if you go and listen on the website, that is pretty consistently solid. I don't think anyone's ever complained about the website one's not working. So you can listen at thenewslentpian.com, and uh, that should be error. Free. I'm really trying to get this sorted out. I'm sorry. And please send me emails if you have weird buggy issues. Now, before we wrap up here, you're going to hear words from a few sponsors to make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of those ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. Others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally. So if you live in so if you live in Utah, don't be surprised if you hear an ad about your new state flag, which is cool. And I didn't know you did that. And I like the look of it. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of the Newst Olympian. This episode of The New Olympian is brought to you by Thrive Market. Now, at Camp Half-Blood, they are cooking up a whole bunch of fun stuff at the cafeteria, but we never really hear about where they supply all of the things for the cafeteria. I'm not sure where they get their stuff, but you know where they should get their stuff? Thrive Market. Thrive can be your go-to for all of your grocery and household essentials, and it has been my go-to. I've got a bunch of stuff from Thrive now, and I genuinely enjoy all of it. I've got Thrive Trash bags, dishwashing detergent, snacks, rice, beans things that wash my dishes, like scrub brushes and stuff. They have a lot of really great deals. I've been capitalizing on those deals and I have truly been enjoying using Thrive Market. I love a lot of things about Thrive. I love that they only allow trusted top quality ingredients while restricting harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high fructose corn syrup, and more. And whether you are looking for organic kid snacks, high protein essentials, whatever it is, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. They've got all these different filters and stuff like that, different categories. I utilize those when I was looking for particular items and it was really easy to navigate the site. I always have a simple time finding what I'm looking for. And it's not just saving time. I'm saving money as a Thrive Market member. I'm looking at my stats right now. My average savings per order are $34.98. On my last order, I saved almost $50 and I got a whole bunch of things for my pantry. I got hand soap refills. I got chicken broth. I got rice. I got beans. I got kitchen towels. It was great. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com so TNO For 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash T-N-O, thrivemarket.com slash T-N-O, so you can be as well stocked as the Camp Half-Blood cafeterias are today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. Hope you all had a good intermission. I missed you all so dearly. Now, let's talk more about The Demigod Files story number one slash maybe more things if we uh, still have some time after, but who's to say? Let's go. We last left our heroes where someone said, don't worry, honey, that is definitely an official zoo vehicle. (laughs) So Clarice approaches the chariot, and she is so close, so close to grabbing the reins when suddenly, Her brothers appear in the chariot dressed in battle armor. Phobos' eyes are glowing already. He grins and yells, the hunt is on! So they always have (laughs) very intense things to say when things begun. He charges the chariot towards Percy, and narrative Percy says, now I'd like to tell you I did something heroic, like stand up against a raging team of fire-breathing horses with only my sword. The truth is, I ran. Which is (laughs) smart. What else are you going to do? Correct
1: response, yeah.
0: 100%. He jumps over a trash can and a fence, but he soon realizes that he just cannot outrun this. Clarice yells, Percy, look out. And narrative Percy says, like I needed somebody to tell (laughs) me that. I feel that for sure. I've definitely made comments like that before. When oh, yeah. <laughs> when people, you know, you're doing something very dangerous and people are like, be careful. Like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Percy leaps and lands on a rock island in the otter exhibit. He douses the horses in water, which extinguishes them and confuses them. The otters are displeased. So Percy rushes out of there so that he doesn't get attacked by otters in addition to the horses, yeah. and Phobos and the horses, <laughs> exactly. Phobos tries to calm down the horses and Clarice jumps on Deimos' back as he is preparing to use his javelin. The two of them fall out of the chariot and begin to fight. Phobos chases after Percy again. Percy heads towards the aquarium. Phobos says that he has something for Percy and then the chariot morphs into a tank. And I was wondering if this was supposed to be a fear thing, like is Percy afraid of tanks? But I guess not. He's just trying to make like a scarier sort of vehicle?
1: I think he's trying to go on the offensive with the vehicle now. Mm -hmm. I think the vehicle can just turn into any vessel. I don't know. Sure, but
0: it wasn't like a specific, like, we all know Percy hates tanks. (laughs) So yeah, I guess it was just like a scary type thing. He fires the gun of the tank at Percy. Percy dodges, but the projectile explodes a souvenir stand, which is very fun. (laughs) While Phobos reloads, Percy dives into the aquarium. I thought he dove into the water, but I think he just dives through the doorway. Into the doorway, yeah. Because he is now running through it. And not only will the aquarium give him power, but Percy thinks that the tank may be too big to fit in through the doors. And I wrote, "Uh, it's a tank. (laughs) It can just break through the doors. And the narrator Percy says, Of course, if he blasted through it, that wouldn't help. So we're on the same page. Percy is running through the aquarium. All the sea creatures call out to him in admiration. And he said, quote, it's great when you're a celebrity to squids. (laughs) Percy gets to the back of the aquarium and then hears the sound of a different kind of engine. And I was guessing, who? okay, I wonder if this is going to be Ares' motorcycle or something. Like, Ares is showing up. Kind of. It is Ares' motorcycle, but it's not that Ares has entered. It's just that Phobos is on... Ares' Harley Davidson motorcycle Mm -hmm. now. And it now dawns on Percy and also on me that Ares's motorcycle back from book one was just a disguise for his chariot. And I wonder if Rick knew this from the jump when he wrote it Mm. into book one or if this was just a very cool retcon that he thought of later. Either way, I think it's fantastic. And I'll have to ask him when he comes on the podcast. I know, of
1: course. I got distracted by my own thoughts there for a second as soon as we said he was a celebrity to Squid. Has Percy said that he does he not eat fish anymore?
0: Oh, he's an anti-pescatarian? Yeah, does
1: he like not eat fish and like sushi and like horse? I mean, he can talk to them too. Mm -hmm. So like, does he just- I all of a sudden I was trying to remember because he like burns his food as offering, so he actually tells us what he eats quite often. Right. I'm trying to remember if he's had any fish.
0: I will have to keep an eye out. No, keep rest an of eye out as you're if like picking If he ever through, yeah. eats some fish, that would be highly suspect. Yeah. I would assume he would probably avoid I it. I
1: think he avoids it at this point. I don't know.
0: That's a good question. A life
1: without sushi. That sounds oh, sad. Very <laughs> disappointing. Very
0: disappointing. Life without marinated herring, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sounds
0: pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Phobos says. Hello, loser, which I'm guessing is his version of punk, which I think is fun. (laughs) Hello, loser, time to be scared. Percy readies his sword and prepares to fight him, but then Phobos's eyes grow brighter and Percy makes the mistake of making eye contact with him. Percy instantly envisions himself at Camp Half-Blood and it is in flames. Annabeth, Grover, and all the campers are pleading with him. So at this point I'm realizing, oh, is his fear being the destruction version of the prophecy where Mm. he's either gonna save the world or destroy the world. And that's basically what it is. They're all screaming out saying, save us, Percy, make the choice. So he's afraid of the choice itself. He's afraid of making the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. Completely makes sense for what we've seen over the course of the books. Yeah. Percy is absolutely frozen and unsure of what to do. Then he hears the voice of the sea creatures calling out to him, son of the sea god, wake. And he feels the power of the sea around him as all the fish are trying to get his attention. <laughs> and when he finally snaps out of it, Phobos' sword is just about to hit Percy in the head, but he blocks the blow with the riptide just in time, which is Amazing very Amazing nice. save
1: by the fish. <laughs> Thank
0: you to the fish. Thank you yeah. so much. I wonder if they were specifically trying to save him, or if it was just them asking for his autograph and stuff like that. Percy, can you take a picture with me? <laughs> oh my gosh. He parries and slashes Phobos in the arm. Iker begins to rush out and. Phobos slashes at Percy in retaliation. Percy blocks it easily. Narrator Percy notes that Phobos is not necessarily a tough opponent without his fear power. Just as a fighter himself, he's not that strong. Mm -hmm. Percy is able to cut him across the face, which makes Phobos angry. And then Percy says, the fear god looked afraid. (laughs) Percy kicks him against a water fountain and Phobos' sword goes flying into a bathroom. Percy grabs him by the armor and brings him in closer. And this is just a really nice intense fight. is really going all out with the fight. I really like Mm -hmm. it. He tells Phobos to disappear and to leave Clarice alone. Percy warns that if he ever sees him again, he'll give him a bigger scar in a more painful place. Phobos gulps, promises to face him again, and then vanishes. Percy thanks the fish and looks at the motorcycle. And as the narrator says, I'd never ridden an all powerful Harley Davidson war chariot before, but how hard could it
1: be? (laughs) And I was thinking about this too like the whole riding the chariot was like this big honor and test for Clarice. And Mm of course, he's just riding it.
0: Just hopping on. He's just
1: like, oh, this is here. Yeah, no, I have
0: this ability too. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a son of Aries now. Why not? Percy rides off to help Clarice. He finds her easily because the zoo is in absolute chaos with loads of fences being knocked down and there are some animals that have escaped. And unfortunately, narrative Percy says, a fat looking leopard was lounging on a park bench with a bunch of pigeon feathers around him. Oh no,
1: oh no. So this is my
0: true rival, someone who canonically killed pigeons <laughs> in the book. My least favorite person in the whole series is this leopard. Oh. heartbroken, crushed, oh. crushed to hear this.
1: Of all the animals it could have gone after too. I
0: know, why not seagulls? Come yeah. on. <laughs> Percy parks the motorcycle and heads closer to the two of them. Clarice is on her knees and Deimos is in the form of Ares, saying, you failed me again. I told you what would happen. He tries to hit her, but Clarice dodges and pleads for forgiveness. Percy tries to snap her out of it. Deimos' form flickers a bit once Percy is talking to Clarice, but he has the sense that Clarice needs to do this on her own. So Percy instead switches to motivation mode, telling her to stand up to Ares because he's all talk, Mm -hmm. and she says that she can't. Percy says she can because she's a warrior. Deimos, disguised as Ares, tells her to grovel for mercy, and Clarice quietly says No. (laughs) Deimos goes, what, in all caps? And Clarice raises her sword and says that she's tired of being scared of him. Deimos attacks, Clarice blocks it, and she realizes that he is not Ares because he's not nearly as good of a fighter. He attacks again. Clarice disarms him and stabs him in the shoulder, and he begins to glow. Percy calls for Clarice to look away, and they both do look away from him as he disappears into his true form that you aren't supposed to look at.
1: Similar to Phobos. He doesn't really have much fighting skill beyond just the ability to make people afraid or terrorized.
0: Right. It's all the ability. The actual one-on-one combat skills Mm -hmm. are not there. It's more of their magic, and then the fighting is secondary. Right. Our duo is now alone at the petting zoo, except for some of the goats that are tugging at their clothes, looking for snacks, which I think (laughs) is very fun. The Harley turns back into a chariot. Clarice wipes away some sweat and says to Percy, you didn't see that. You didn't see any of that. (laughs) And then I wrote, then how did this story get told?
1: (laughs) If somebody told the scribe and the scribe wrote it down, now it's being distributed to
0: everybody. Exactly. (laughs) But at least just to demigods because we're all all okay. None of us are not
2: demigods.
0: (laughs) Percy grins and tells her she did a good job. She tells him to get in the chariot. They ride to the ferry terminal and realize only then that the ferry doesn't take cars, only passengers by foot, She wonders if their only option is to drive across the Verrazano Bridge, but they both know that there isn't time to do so. It's a very roundabout way to get Mm -hmm. back to Manhattan, and it just wouldn't work out. And I was thinking that Percy could use water powers to basically turn the chariot into a boat. He goes for a different approach, but a similar line of reasoning, combining his powers with the Aries chariot to get them back safely. Mm -hmm.
1: I thought he might call on the Pegasi to like replace the horses a little bit. But Uh, no, that was a
0: good thought. That's Mm -hmm. for sure something that could have happened. Percy gets an idea. He says that they can take the direct route. Clarice is confused, but Percy instructs her to head towards the coast. She does, and he focuses his energy to turn the sea solid. So they ride across solid crests of waves the whole way home, which is very cool. And I don't know if they'll do demigod file stuff in the TV show, but I would love Mm. to see what this looks like. Like, are they going up and down little tiny ramps the whole time? Is it a very (laughs) bumpy ride? I wonder how it is. They return just in time. Percy is absolutely exhausted. He says that he should leave before Ares arrives. Clarice agrees, saying that he would kill Percy on sight. And I was <laughs> surprised that Percy didn't say something to the effect of like, well, he would try. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He congratulates Clarice on passing her driving test and she starts to ask Percy not to tell anyone about her fear and he promises not to before she can even say it. She then asks if Phobos scared Percy. He relays his vision and shares that he can relate to how she feels. The stuff that Phobos does is scary so I totally understand Mm -hmm. you being in a scary situation as well. She tries to muster up the ability to thank Percy, but she just can't get there. Percy isn't sure if she's ever said thank you in her entire life. (laughs) So he simply says, don't mention it before she really has to force herself to say it. And then he begins to leave, but before he can leave, Clarice begins to ask if she was one of the friends in his vision, and he confirms that she was. Aww. She makes Percy promise to never tell anyone <laughs> she'll have to kill him. And a, faint sweet. S- <laughs> sweet. and a faint smile flickers across her face. I'm very excited <laughs> at the mm-hmm. prospect of their friendship flourishing. It makes me really, really happy. They say their goodbyes, and Percy heads home After a long day, he just wants to rest. (laughs) And that is the end of this story of Percy Jackson and the Stolen Chariot.
1: (laughs) I hope it's a Friday for him because I would just want to rest after that. I would just want to go to sleep at that yeah, point. Yeah, he has to
0: go to school the next oh, day. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> then he'd have to deal with Mrs. White and people asking him where he was. Yeah. Uh, gross. <laughs> so we do have some time, so let's do some of the extras in the Demigod Files. We'll get into some of the interviews. hmm the interviews are really fun in the book. I think they come between the second and the third story, but they have interviews with a bunch of different campers, and they're just fun, silly questions. And I was very surprised that the first interview is with Connor and Travis Stoll. They yes. weren't mentioned in the introduction. They don't necessarily seem like the most main of characters. So for them to find their way in, I thought was fun. And, you know, I want to learn more about the side characters, so this is exciting. Yeah, this fits well with the
1: story that you've chosen the stolen chariot, the stolen ah, brothers. Uh-huh. Thematic. Yeah, yeah, thematic. Yeah. Well put together. <laughs>
0: Just like I planned it. <laughs> So this is the interview with Connor and Travis Stoll. The first question is, and I'm assuming these questions are from Camp Half-Blood scribe Rick Riordan, canonically mm-hmm. a character in the books. <laughs> What's the best practical joke you've ever played on another camper? They both agree that the golden mango is the best prank. Apparently they took a mango, spray painted it gold and wrote for the hottest on it and then left it in the Aphrodite cabin (laughs) while they were in archery
2: class.
0: (laughs) They fought over it when they returned and describing this, Travis Stoll says, Gucci shoes were flying out the (laughs) windows. It was like a rabid herd of wild brats, B-R-A-T-Z. Did Brats the Toys make its way over here? Okay, yeah, so everyone's aware of Brats the Toys. I thought that was a very fun Mm -hmm. reference to make. So apparently the Aphrodite kids then learned the truth and hunted down the stoles. Quote, I didn't know they made permanent makeup. I looked like a clown for a month, says Travis. Connor reveals that they put a curse on him so that no matter what he wore, his clothes were two sizes too small and he felt like a geek. And I enjoyed adding the felt like a geek part because it wasn't just that the clothes were tight fitting, but specifically they were tight fitting and he didn't feel confident about it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's a nice
0: thing for them to add. Travis says to Connor, well, you are a geek. (laughs) The next question is who would you want most on your team for Capture the Flag? They both pick each other because they don't trust each other. So it's Smart less move. that they yeah. less that they want each other on their own team and more that they don't want them on the other team. That makes which sense. Is a very, very <laughs> funny answer. Connor says that behind Travis, he would pick the Aries cabin, kids. Travis agrees because people from the Aries cabin are strong and easy to manipulate. (laughs) (laughs) Really funny stuff, really, really funny. The next question and the final question is, what's the best part of being in the Hermes cabin? Connor says, you're never lonely since new kids are always coming in. Travis says that new kids coming in just increases the opportunities for new people to prank, and Connor adds, or to pickpocket, one big happy family. It's been really fun. An
1: interesting perspective. Such an
0: interesting perspective. The next interview is with Clarice. The first question asked of her is Who do you most want to pick a fight with at Camp Half Blood? And her answer is Whoever gets in my face, loser. <laughs> and if Rick is the interviewer, Clarice canonically called Uncle Rick a loser <laughs> to his face, which I think is very fun. She then realizes that the interviewer means to beat someone up specifically. So she says Michael Yu in the Apollo cabin, this is a new character, Mm. apparently Michael Yu thinks that their cabin is superior to the Ares cabin because they can use ranged weapons. And she describes this as using these weapons as quote, like cowards. (laughs) (laughs) The next question for her is, aside from your father, who do you think is the bravest god or goddess on the Olympian council? She says that no one comes close to Ares, but she admits that Zeus is quite brave, citing him taking on Typhon and Kronos requires a fair amount of bravery. Mm -hmm. But she immediately caveats it, however, by saying it's easy to be brave when you have a plethora of power bolts at your disposal. (laughs) (laughs) And then finishes this thought with, quote, no disrespect intended.
1: (laughs) I would have said Artemis. She's yeah. the only one out there doing stuff on the daily.
0: That's true. I
1: mean, everybody else just sits up on Olympus for the most part.
0: Right. She's out in the mortal world. Yeah. She's out there doing stuff. She is recruiting new people. She's mm-hmm. putting herself on the line. She's going out on the hunt. I agree. I yeah. think Artemis is a good answer there. Mm-hmm. The final question for Clarice is, did you ever get revenge on Percy for soaking you with toilet water? (laughs) And I think this is great, because I love the Supreme Lord of (laughs) the Bathroom I'm so stoked for it. About this, Clarice says, quote, oh, that little punk has been bragging again, huh? (laughs) She says not to believe him because he exaggerated the whole thing. And I mean, she could be right because, If we take the approach where Percy as the narrator might be Hmm. a non-trustworthy narrator, which is my least favorite thing that books do sometimes, where the narrator is a character and then fibs some stuff, and then later on you learn that they were lying, I think it's gross and a really cheap way to write a book. If we are taking that approach, though, the only way you know about the story is from Percy telling us about the story, so if he embellished it as the narrator (laughs) of whatever canonically these stories are, journal entries or whatever it does open the door for the possibility of him lying about it so she might be right but i
1: doubt it i suppose but i think he's a trustworthy narrator he's yeah. told us some pretty embarrassing stuff so oh, for sure. i think yeah <laughs> yeah
0: he very often admits to things that he messed up or when he says something but didn't mean it or Mm -hmm. other related things. So yeah, I think he's pretty trustworthy. Yeah. She promises revenge. She says that she's waiting. She's biding her time for the right (laughs) moment. And she insists (laughs) she's not waiting because she's afraid of him. (laughs) She ends this by saying, quote, anybody says different, I'll rearrange their dental work. (laughs) So the final interview that we will do here before we go on to Q&A is Annabeth, Annabeth's first question is if you could design a new structure for Camp Half-Blood, what would it be? She says a temple just south of Half-Blood Hill would be great. Her idea is to have the rising sun come through and shine through the windows to make a different God's emblem show each day. There would be statues for all the gods and braziers for offerings. It would have perfect acoustics like Carnegie Hall, and then it could be used for lyre or reed pipe concerts. And apparently she's discussed this idea with Chiron already, who said it would take four million truckloads of strawberries to fund it. <laughs> and she thinks it's worth it. Now, architecture-wise, I know you've dealt with some high-budget projects, Mm -hmm. so you can sympathize there.
1: Yeah, I've never paid a client in strawberries before. (laughs) (laughs)
0: We'll have to find out what the conversion-going rate of Mm -hmm. a truckload of strawberries (laughs) is. But I was interested when she said that the sun would shine through the windows and make a different God's emblem show each day.
1: Do you mean every hour? That's what I thought it was, but I thought in the
0: story it said each day, or Hmm. did it mean each hour of the day? I was confused. I thought it was gonna be every hour because then the sun would go, but how would it show a different thing each day? magic magic I mean yeah or they could have a thing where like at the end of the day they like move it but it feels like she was describing something whereas the sun moves yeah it could be the thing but it wouldn't happen every day where the sun like slowly moves as the day goes kind of like that phenomenon in Manhattan where there's times where the sun is directly in between some streets Mm -hmm. and it's a really cool effect where the sunset is right in between just these really long Mm -hmm. alleyways like streetways that go through Manhattan but yeah I don't know I I should reread to make sure but But I was also confused by it changing each day.
1: And now I want to go back and see if she said hours or days and then find out. Well,
0: we'll say it and maybe we'll have an update for the episode or something else. The next question in the interview is, aside from your mom, who do you think is the wisest god or goddess on the Olympian council? And initially, she says that the others aren't really known for their wisdom. (laughs) Similarly to Clarice, she says, and I mean that with the greatest possible respect. <laughs> I like that for both Clarice and for Annabeth, the question was basically, who's the best besides your parent? And they were both like, uh, nah. nobody. <laughs> <laughs> she says Zeus is wise in his own way for keeping the family together. Hermes is clever, but we know from her dig against Daedalus in the end of book four that clever and wise are different things. Mm-hmm. And she says that Artemis never compromises her beliefs, which I think is true yeah. and a nice thing to say. Mm-hmm. Annabeth appreciates that Artemis doesn't bicker with the other gods, and by spending the most time on Earth out of all the Olympians, Artemis has the best sense of what's going on in the world around them. So similar to what you were saying in terms of bravery, Annabeth is kind of taking that reasoning and applying it towards wisdom.
2: Yeah,
0: Which I think is really nice. Annabeth then realizes that Artemis doesn't understand guys, however, but she adds, nobody's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Next question, of all your camp half-blood friends, Who would you most like to have with you in a battle? And she says, oh, Percy, no contest. (laughs) Yes. She says he's annoying at times, but very dependable. He's brave, he's a good fighter, and as long as he's being told what to do by Annabeth, he's a sure shot to win a fight. (laughs) The final question in the interview is also Percy related. You've been known to call Percy seaweed brain from time to time. What's his most annoying quality? (laughs) I very much enjoy... Uncle Rick putting Percy on blast, and Annabeth says, the way he talks to me and the way he cuts his hair, the way he drives his car when he stares. (laughs) (laughs) Ten things I hate about you didn't make its way over (laughs) here. I did have to Google that, because I have not seen the film. Wait, what? uh, I don't know.
1: Hmm, Interesting.
0: I was not a, I don't know, I was too young and I was a boy, and I was like, this is a movie for girls.
1: It's a a great
0: movie. I'm sure it's fantastic, and I'll watch it at some point eventually. It's in my, Movies list of like at some point it will just happen to be on somewhere and I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. It's a top contender for like a potential airplane movie. Okay. You just scroll through. You're like, oh, I still haven't seen that one, but okay. I at least know enough about the references, yes. or I at least know enough to know that she does list ten things. Though there is debate to how many things she lists. Yes. Some people think it's fourteen. Some people think it's eleven because <laughs> sometimes there's like multiple clauses. I went into a semi-deep rabbit hole. How many <laughs> things
2: <laughs> does Julia
0: Child's character say that she hates about Heath Ledger's character? <laughs> anyway, what Annabeth actually answers to this question is, quote, well, I don't call him that because he's so bright, do I? Though then she immediately caveats saying that he's brilliant, but he acts foolishly sometimes. She wonders if he does it on purpose to annoy her. And then she launches into his positive traits, such as his courage, his sense of humor, and his good looks. Whoa. Oh, very impressive. But then she demands that the interviewer not tell Percy that. which is very interesting. I don't know if Percy has read The Demigod Files as well. I know. Right? It feels <laughs> like it would just be a book in the big house. And I wonder if sometime Percy is ever bored and he has to kill time. He's just sitting in a chair in the big house, waiting for his turn to talk to the Oracle or something. He's like, oh, The Demigod Files, that Rick Riordan, Riordan, uh, Rarden guy, <laughs> he interviewed me, so I wonder what he wrote. And then he opens the Annabeth interview, He's like, <laughs> <laughs> she thinks I'm pretty. <laughs> She then gets back on track, saying that Percy has a lot of positive traits, but he's obtuse. And I think that is the perfect word choice. Mm -hmm. He's smart, but at times he can just be a little bit thick. And she says that he doesn't see how people feel even when they're giving hints, which I don't think is fully fair, because I think that he does usually have a good sense of when people don't want him to ask about something, but specifically for not picking up on Annabeth having feelings for him, I think that might be what she's referring to. And I think that's more valid. I think that is what he is the most boneheaded
1: about. Right. And that certainly came to play towards the end of book four as well.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that is maybe more what she's getting at, especially because the final quote she says about it is what? No, I'm not talking about anyone or anything in particular. I'm just making a general (laughs) statement. What does everyone always think? Ah, forget it. And I love <laughs> like, that everyone knows that they're a thing, which is really fun. And that is the end of the interview. And that's the end of what we're covering here in the show before we get into Q&A. Wee. <laughs> it's Mike here. We're going to take a little bit of a break because I do have the quote from the part of Annabeth's interview that Kelly and I were confused about. Let me just read it to you verbatim and you can maybe be confused or lend more insight. Whoa. I'd put it on the hill just south of Half-Blood Hill, and I'd design it so that every morning the rising sun would shine through its windows and make a different god's emblem on the floor, like one day an eagle, the next an owl. So I'm not sure because it says every morning it would make a different god's emblem, but then it says one day an eagle, the next an owl. I'm not sure. This will now catapult up the rankings of questions to ask Rick if I ever get him on the show, but I'm confused. Maybe you can lend some insight? Let me know. Another quick correction, I said Julia Childs was the actor in 10 Things I Hate About You. I know it's Julia Stiles. Uh, Julia Child was the famous chef, and that's very different. So my apologies there, though I would love to see a remake of 10 Things I Hate About You with Julia Child in it. Another correction, since recording this episode, I have now looked up the proper pronunciation of the Danish word for ghost, and it is spoolsig. But it's spelled S-P-O, the line through it, G-E-L-S-E. But it is said spools And with that all complete, we're going to take a very brief break for an ad or two. And then once those ads are complete, we will close out this episode with the very fun Copenhagen Q&A. This episode of the News Olympian is brought to you by Straight River Coffee. If you've been listening to the News Olympian and you're thinking, "My goodness, I would love to pair this podcast with a nice warm cup of Joe," but not just any nice warm cup of Joe, but specifically TNO branded coffee. Well, you are in luck because TNO Coffee exists. That's right, we have partnered with Straight River Coffee, which is a small independent business that is made up of folks who listen to the News Olympian, and we have teamed up to make TNO Coffee. So there is a specific roast from Straight coffee called Anacluse Roast. I came up with the name. I think it's very good. And you can get a one pound bag of coffee from them if you go to thenewsonlympian.com slash merch. I'm not a coffee drinker, but multiple people have told me that the coffee tastes very good and smells incredible. And here's the description of the coffee from Straight River. Sourced from the finest fair trade beans, our collaborative blend boasts flavor notes of nutty caramel and rich chocolate, ensuring each sip transports you to a realm of excitement and wonder. It's cool. The bags were also made by an environmentally friendly bag company and the art design on the bags, which yes, is a pigeon drinking a cup of coffee. Those were made by another independent artist, Ava Hess, who does some incredible artwork as well. So it's a bunch of small businesses and independent creators teaming up to make this coffee happen. And it's really cool. And it also ships free internationally. So it doesn't matter if you live in the U.S. or not the U.S. The price listed is the price. No extra shipping fees. It's super cool. And you can get a pound of this wonderful coffee delivered to you or multiple, I think, You can probably get more than one bag. I don't know. But go to thenewsolympian.com slash merch, scroll down, click the link about the coffee, and then boom, you can get some Anaclus Roast in your cup today. And then you can perfectly pair TNO coffee with your TNO podcast. So, this first question is from Emma. Emma says, for both you and Kelly, is there anything that has happened so far in the Percy Jackson series that has really steamed your nuggets?
2: (laughs) Or is there anything that would
0: steam your nuggets if the movie slash Disney Plus series changed? Hope you have a great time in Copenhagen from Emma. I don't think there's anything in the books that has really upset me. Mm -hmm. Anything for you? Not that I can think of, really. No, I think everything's been pretty solid. As far as things that they would change, anything. They change anything. (laughs) I feel like they're probably not going to. Obviously, Uncle Rick is involved in the TV show this time. He wasn't involved in the movie, so I just think anything that they change is going to make me upset. I think the biggest thing that just makes me upset is when things get changed for either no good reason or if I think they go against, like, the purpose of a scene. And this happened in some of the Harry Potter movies. Like, they changed the whole ending battle. And I Mm. think that that's really saddening because in the ending battle in the movie, in movie eight, they kind of only show Harry and Voldemort fighting. And I think what was really cool about the battle is that, like, everybody contributes. Neville does the cool thing Mm -hmm. with the sword. And there's so many other... Nifty neat things that happen. Yeah. That I think it kind of watered it down to be like, it's only these two people fighting and nobody else matters. Yeah. So I think if they change something where it, just went against like the purpose of the scene or how it contributed to someone's character development, I think that's what would upset me.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I already have learned that in my head, I had the layout of the camp wrong mm-hmm. by the map that's in this map. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that the cabins were circled around the lake and I was like, oh, if they change the layout, I'm going to be so upset. And I saw the map and I was like, oh man. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wrong this whole time. This
0: next question is from Nadia and is it Jeppe? Yeah. Is that how I pronounce it? I, I want to make sure I get it right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Please. I want to make sure I don't butcher it. They say, Hey, Mike and Kelly. Also. Hi, Stephen. Loving the narwhal shirt. Are the socks themed as well? Uh, The socks are more just for, like, color purposes, but these were gifted to me by Johnny Frolicstein, one of my best buds, who, before we flew to Europe, we were at his wedding, and he gave all the groomsmen different socks that had different designs that were themed for that person. Mm -hmm. And mine has a bunch of different types of airplanes on it because Kelly and I have been traveling a lot. We're about to do a bunch of travel. So they are themed for the tour. They are not (laughs) necessarily themed for the narwhal sweater, (laughs) but... They, uh, I think they work nicely to contrast the yellow pants and the blue shoes so that they, uh, they look nice. I, I definitely put a lot of thought into uh That was the most disappointing thing about the tour is that just because we're going to so many places and I can yeah. only fit so many things in a suitcase, I usually like to try to wear clothes as similar as I can to the place. Like if I'm going to a city, I'll look up the city flag and try to match it. Or in this case, the country, I would like try to like, you know, wear something in the colors of the country mm-hmm. flag. So I didn't get to do that. I just wore like, <laughs> I know I accidentally wore Sweden colors. But... <laughs> there were a lot of questions in the Q&A that were like, do you actually hate Sweden? No, I don't. I don't. This one is from Oliver. A lot of people ask this as well. Did you see the Little Mermaid and what did you think of it?
1: <laughs> we did go to see
0: the Little Mermaid statue. We did know beforehand because Kelly yeah. researched it that a lot of people are like, it's not that cool. Right. I agree. It's nothing Everybody it was fantastic. like, Don't
1: walk out there just for that. Right. But I was like, we're already going to be out there. Right. So let's go see right. it. And, and then yeah.
0: someone in one of the questions asked, were you disappointed by it? And I don't know if they were disappointed. It was more of Stephen knew the actual mm-hmm. fairy tale that the Disney movie is based on, and then he described the plot of? <laughs> and I wish he didn't.
2: Because
0: <laughs> now I unfortunately have that knowledge in my brain forever. It's yeah. way more messed up than what happens.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it
0: is very gross. yeah. This next one is from Victoria. Victoria says, hi there, loving the show so far. As we're in Europe, my question is, if there was one European capital city Percy, Annabeth, and Grover would live in, where would it be, either based on their parentage or their personality? Hmm. I don't know which cities are capitals, yeah, so I'm just point. gonna pick the most populated or at least some of the cities that I know in places, and if they're not capitals, I'm sorry. I didn't take European geography true. in yep. <laughs> school, but... As far as Annabeth, uh, she could honestly—oh, Rome, honestly, oh, Rome. yeah—because yeah, the architecture. I would yeah. also, I also could see her being in Amsterdam because of the architecture. Because hmm. the Amsterdam architecture was really cool, all the different houses and stuff. and That could be she an interesting it.
1: place for her and Percy to live together, right? Because canals, water, the water, all of that. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Grover, where would Grover be? He's just like a fun dude. He—he's uh, <laughs> very chill, easygoing. Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that seems nice.
1: Yeah, everyone yeah. here has
0: been super sweet. And Feels nice. like
1: he'd really love to eat a bunch of pastries and then uh-huh. the bags they're in. Course, yeah, don't
0: worry. We have done, and I understand why Danishes are called Danishes. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get it. We took the first awesome. bite of the first one we got, and I was like,
2: oh
1: yeah, right. <laughs>
0: Denmark. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm yeah. assuming. Um, like, they're just each called like all their individual. We names? We just pointed or?
1: them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we say that one, and that, that one, one, and that one, one, and we don't even try. Really and yeah, this one, and they're like, "You mean the chocolate one?" I'm like, "Oh yes, that, that word one, I do yeah. know." Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: this one is from Simone. Simone says, "Hey, so 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 happy. Denmark is in your top ten countries. Saw you tried the cinnamon rolls. How wasn't? Have you tried any other Danish foods? How are you liking the Danish language?" So all the food we have had has been good. Mm-hmm. Even the herring was tasty. <laughs> Even if it gave me some uh, issues. But everything we've had is good. We've had a bunch of those like classic open face sandwiches, yeah. which are really good. We had a fair amount of uh, a fair amount of the pastries I'm trying to pull up. What was the name of the place? It was like Langkatz
1: something? That sounds right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> My favorite, and I'm gonna butcher this, was the director The chocolate one. <laughs> and then Kelly enjoyed the Kind
2: bear snuggle. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> those
0: were uh, those were our favorites for sure.
2: <laughs>
0: but no, the food has been yeah. the food has been pretty solid all mm-hmm. around. It's been really good. Yeah. As far as the Danish language, I think it's fun. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I like all the O's that have lines through them. I don't,
1: yeah. We did have
0: a fun time. We went to the Modern Art Museum, which I think is so funny that it's just called the Louisiana Modern Art Museum because yeah. there's a state in America called Louisiana that is like yes. not, it's very <laughs> Southern and not necessarily a place you would associate with modern art. So it's just so funny to like take the train and then it's like Louisiana Modern Art Museum. But was I texted cool. my
1: aunt who lives in Louisiana. I was like, oh, my at the Louisiana Modern Art Museum. She's like, what? And I'm like, in Denver."
0: <laughs> but... One thing that we had a fun time with, we went into the gift shop and they had a bunch of really cute design things. And it's hard because we can't get anything big or fragile because we're traveling around so mm-hmm. much, but there was something that was really cute and we think will be pretty sturdy. <laughs> it's just kind of like a cone and it has two big like googly eyes on it. And it was called a uh, spogelsi It's just like a little ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, 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 what?
2: What? yeah, 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 yeah. We all said the same
0: thing. Uh, well, that that was fun. We like we saw it, and I was like, we Googled. It. We were like, what is it? We put it into Google Translate. And it was like ghost. <laughs> That's what it was. It's very cute. Now we have adorable, it. Yeah. It will live atop Kelly's desk, <laughs> uh, which will be very fun. So yes, th- I think the language has been uh, has been very fun. Okay, so this next one is from Louise. Louise says, "Hi, Mike and Kelly. Love the show. Thanks for coming to Denmark. Questions. Percy Jackson related. What character do you feel has evolved most over the books that you've read so far?" I would say probably so far just because we haven't fully seen it yet would be Grover just because he started as really scared and then he's more proficient in battles and then he was very mature with dealing with the whole pan situation. I think Clarice might be my answer after book five but at least at this point in time where I've only read four and a third of the books I would say Grover. What about you?
1: I probably would have said Clarice. I forgot that Grover has changed so much, but I would say Clarice is like an obvious answer because she's gone from like enemy number one to like somebody who's reliable and still a little enemy number one-ish sometimes. (laughs) But I don't know, Percy's evolved a lot too. He started out not knowing he was a demigod. He's one of the like best fighters, leaders, and you know, all around nice guy.
0: He went from not knowing he has water powers to just jumping into the water being like, yeah, I'll just make a big old water spigot. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) doesn't work. The Denmark related question is what has been the most different here compared to the other places that you've toured? I would say I think some of the like the building and the architecture has looked very unique. Because mm-hmm. we walked around to a ton of places. Yeah. We went to here, I can pull up the you list. And the, the, the list. parks have been really cool too. You said you screenshotted it, right? Yeah. Okay, and I'm gonna. Here's a fun time where I butcher the name of everything. Yeah. Kelly designed a whole like walk around tour. We went to, oh my God. Yeah. Why did I do this to myself? We went to Stroget? Oh. Strog, okay. We went to, oh, oh geez, we went to the Round man. Tower, which was yeah. Rundetarn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that very aptly named Round Tower. It was very round, yeah. it was a tower. <laughs> We went to the botanical gardens. We went to the Rosenborg Castle and the King's Garden. We went to Nyboder with all the different colored houses. Nyboder, okay. Um, went to the, the castle, like the fortress and the park. We went to Amalienborg? Amalienborg, Amalienborg okay. <laughs> um, we went to Frederick's Church, the Playhouse, Nyhaven? With, like, the old, okay. Yeah, Yeah, the old school, like, barracks, right?
1: Yeah, no, no, that's the one along the water. Oh, okay, so I I flipped that. It's funny because you don't know any of these names as we were at the places. I just know.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then oh, we went to the church of our savior and tower, like the big spiral staircase thing. Yeah, which was- <laughs> we went
1: yesterday when it was really windy and I opened the door at the point where you go outside. I went, nope, nope, nope. <laughs>
0: and Steven and not I kept that. going and we started to do the spiral thing. And we are like, yeah, this is fine. And then we got to the very top and we were like, well, let's go down. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like not a very high handrail and you just keep going. And then it just like stops, <laughs> like <Yeah>. there's no <laughs> gate or anything. It's just like so narrow. And you're like, I guess we stop walking now. <laughs> But well, we did enjoy the little instructional video led by the Puffin, yeah, uh, yep. who taught us all about the tower. Mm-hmm. And the I went back down again,
1: watched that video again, then I like mustered the courage to go back again. And on my way up, I ran into you guys, and I was like, yeah, yeah, we can keep going down. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was very fun. We went to the Dansk Architecture Center, which was cool. We then went to the library, the bibliothèque, which was mm-hmm. very cool. I think that was my favorite with architecture. Perfect. Like we went all the way to the top and then like took the stairs down and it was very, very cool. Garden of the Royal Library, okay. we went to Christiansborg Slot. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then we went to the Louisiana Museum of Modern Art and Sculpture Garden, mm-hmm. which was really fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I I think the architecture in the parks have been really fun. It's like been one of the first things because so far every stop we've done on tour has been to a place that either I've already been to or Kelly's already been to, and we didn't have a lot of time to, like, visit around. But for this show, we, like, explicitly tried to add in some more time mm-hmm. while we're here in Copenhagen to explore around. And we got to do that, which was really fun. Because yeah. we haven't really had the opportunity at some of the other places to kind of, like, fly in, do the shows, fly out. So here we had time to chill and walk yeah. around, and
1: it was really think fun. it's really unique in the sense that there are a lot of relatively large parks just in the middle of different areas, and you can kind of meander through them in your own path, which is really fun. And that's kind of like something that I've really enjoyed about being here.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been really cool. I also like you have a bunch of really cool basketball courts around. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like a park with a cool basketball court. Like one had like a bunch of like cages and stuff around it. One Mm -hmm. had a bunch of graffiti. And I also think it's funny that they're all like way shorter than 10 feet tall. Like I (laughs) could dunk on all of these and I can't dunk normally. So maybe I should move to Copenhagen. I feel really good about myself all the time when I'm just yamming on (laughs) folks from Denmark. Um, This next question is from Sophia. Has Percy Jackson made you more interested in classical Greek mythology? Would you want to visit Greece after finishing the books. It definitely has. Playing Hades a video game certainly got me more interested. <laughs> Reading the books has me even more <laughs> interested. So I definitely like it. I would just like read. I know there's some other really good books that are semi-Greek inspired, like Song of Apollo. Mm-hmm. You know, just, I forget who wrote it, but that's supposed to be just like a really good book. I'm certainly more interested. And yeah, I would love to visit Greece. Yeah. Though I was more inspired to visit Greece by Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again. Yes,
1: very, yeah. <laughs>
0: because they just like, looked like they were having the time of their lives. <laughs> and I wanted to get in on the fun with Pierce Rosnan and everybody else. Yeah,
1: rather than, you know, the, the battles and the people dying. the You know, the people singing. I want to go there. Yeah, I
0: want to go and everything's white and on the coast. Sure, yeah, yeah. All the fun houses. So this one is from, is it me? M I E Mia. Mia. They ask, how do you measure if a recurring bit is working slash entertaining for the audience from a newbie podcaster, Persia, in a bit? I would say... Live shows really help because if you laugh, cool. And if you don't (laughs) laugh, I should bury it. Usually though, for the show, I just have to like do it, hope it's funny. And then if people comment either on social media or in the Discord or on Patreon or anything like that, then I'll know it's worth it. But usually it's more of just like, did I laugh? Did my guests laugh? Yeah, this is worth it. And (laughs) if you do something enough, it just becomes a bit and then it's funny because it's a bit. (laughs) It can be a difficult line to tell because you don't want to do something just for the sake of doing something and then it's annoying. But if you're having fun doing it and the guests are having fun and the listenership is having fun, then I think it's worthwhile Mm -hmm. to keep it as a bit. Yeah, the pigeons thing. And also, I think that's the thing with the books is more of just like, if it just comes up naturally, then you can make it a bit. Like pigeons kind of started up, but then they kept showing up in the books and like bad. Basketball shows up a lot in the book. So if things just kind of keep showing up, then it gives you an excuse to talk about it. Something that's happened very recently, but you'll hear it as the episodes come out. It's just as I did the shows in California and starting in Europe. There's a lot of parallels between the Percy Jackson series and Kingdom Hearts, the video game. Like yeah. an alarming amount of similarities. So much so that at first I was like, oh, haha, I've talked about Kingdom Hearts a couple of times. And now I'm like, are they the same story? <laughs> it's, it is uh, alarming how many crossover moments there are between the two. (laughs) This one, uh, the question is, was it on purpose that your pants match the wall or was it a happy accident? (laughs) I'm wearing yellow pants, the wall behind us is yellow for folks listening at home. Complete accident. (laughs) I was deciding between white pants and yellow pants. It really came down to, I was like, well, I haven't worn the combination of yellow pants and this sweater on the tour yet, so I will do that. But. I'm very happy about it. Kelly's favorite color is yellow, so that works out quite well. Yeah,
1: we walked in as the first thing I noticed was that you matched the wall. I Mm -hmm. thought, man, I should have (laughs) worn yellow. (laughs)
0: Yep. Yeah, no. So that was uh, just a a happy little accident, a good (laughs) omen for the show. And I think it's been a really fun show. And I think that that is a great place to end that really fun show. So thank you all so much for coming out. Give yourselves a round of applause for making it out to the show. Congratulations on getting the tickets before they all sold out. I am sorry that I couldn't get a bigger place or another show, but thank you all so much for coming through. Give it up to Kelly for being an incredible guest for this first show, and please give it up for everyone here at uh, Theater Play. If I'm pronouncing it wrong, I'm so sorry, but Theater Without the H Play, Uh, everyone here at the venue has been really nice from people organizing it, people working sound, hospitality, everyone's been really nice. So please give them a round of applause for making this such a smooth process we got to get out of here because I got to get ready for the next show and all of that but I will close it out by ending the show as the way that I always do and doing so in a way where you know until next time when I come back to Copenhagen until then i see you later thanks for coming out everybody So much for listening to this episode of The News Olympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. I also run the social media and the website. Our editor is Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Campomanos and Brandon Google, and the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you love the show, you're all caught up on the show, and you just can't get enough, you should check out our Patreon where you can get access to loads of bonus content, bonus episodes, bloopers, director's commentary, monthly QA live streams, all sorts of good stuff lives at slash Patreon. And if you want to rep the show, you can get some merch at slash merch. If you want to be part of a larger community, Community. You can join the Patreon, get access to our Discord, but you can also check us out on social media. We're at News Olympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We have a subreddit, Reddit.com/slash/r/slash/the News Olympian. We even have a TikTok account that Sherry runs. It's at News Olympian. Lots of good stuff on social media. This show wouldn't be possible without our patrons, and I want to give a shout out to our ultra-god tier patrons: Lada Bartova, Kelsey Gillespie, the Damn Steam Nuggets, Vicky Garcia, Ellie Hoskovchova Veronica Bartova, Haley Hastings, Robin Garcia, Frida Vickstrom Megan Moon, Olivia Y, Craig McRoberts, Taylor Payne, Giselle Salvador, Peter Johnson, the Twins, Sabrina Balziger, Bony Pony, Heather McMillan, Casey Williams, Polly Burge, Nikki Harris, Tatiana Schmidt, Sandra Rose, Bridget Lowry, Josh Sayer, Josh Wilkie, Abby Ryan, Wise Girl, Ashton Gabrielson, Marco Redhouse, Falcon, Joey, James, Christopher William Boucher, Caden Max, Sam Sam Ruby, Carly Allen, Riley Kiedes, Mary Kelly, Audra, McKenzie, Mrs. O'Leary, Erin Wood, Rodith Kalma, Milo Kim, Fred Cabras, Harlan Crist, Cece Reed's 23, Sand Kauf, Julia Kendall, Emil Oscar Thomason, Liz Cardigan, Michelle Spurgeon, Zachary Hamilton, Sarah Neal, Ricky, Francesca Pacheco, John Drilsma, Demigod Nurse, Rayla Matthews, Riley Dragon, Luna Kadoon, Sky Mallory, Elizabeth Obermiller, Aiden Parziani, biggest Tyson fan, and Hunter Landstrom. If you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, tell a friend about the show. That really helps a ton. Reach out to someone directly and say, hey, you love Percy Jackson, or hey, you've been looking for an excuse to read Percy Jackson. There's this podcast. It's very good. The host is very humble. You could also talk about us on social media, or leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast app you're using. All these things help, and I really appreciate all of you who have done that, or will do it in the future. But I'm just so thankful that you tuned into this episode, and I hope you tune into our next episode, where we will be joined live in Oslo by Steven Parra, as we cover the Second story of Percy Jackson: the demigod files, Percy Jackson and the Bronze Dragon. But until then, I'll pursue you later. Hey, it's going. It's me, ASMRMX. So, for this ASMRMX segment, I have audio of waves crashing on Jeju Island, an island in the southern part of South Korea. I hope you enjoyed the sound.
2: listening.